about 18 months ago, we really were understanding more and more about the ecosystem and the opportunities. And obviously, with the regulations starting to come more to the fore, it started to become something in terms of a technology use, at least, that we thought was a really interesting opportunity, driving efficiencies in businesses, also potentially new technology models, new banking products, new banking services. Welcome to Chief Digital Heroes, where we celebrate those who lead the charge on all things digital transformation at the world's most innovative banks and financial institutions. Here's your host, Matthew Van Niekerk, CEO and founder of Settlement. Now, let's jump right into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of Chief Digital Heroes. Today, I'm speaking with Rob Downs. Thanks for chatting with me today, Rob. Thanks for having me. We're going to get started. I just wanted to get a, a little bit more insight about your background and the journey that you've taken in your career that's brought you to your, your current role at Absolute. Yeah, sure. So as you can probably tell, my accent is not necessarily South African. I, am, I do live in Joburg and I've been living here for about 15 years. But I, I grew up, I was born in Sheffield, grew up in the north of England, just outside Sheffield, went to did my schooling at it little town called Bakewell, called Lady, uh, school called Lady Manor School, before moving off to the university. So I studied business administration at the University of Bath, so more of a business background academically. I then joined, got, went pretty much straight into banking, actually. So I joined Barclays, turn of the century, feel a long time ago, the year 2000, 23 years ago. I uh, joined Barclays on their graduate program in London. So spent the first few years working in technology. I guess my career progression was what used to be quite, I guess, traditional in a change management and a project space. I, I, I was an analyst, became a project manager, moved into kind of program and portfolio management and worked really across different parts of banking. So I spent some time in retail banking, some time in small business banking and SMEs, some time in asset and sales finance and bank insurance. But I spent most of my career in corporate banking. So and ended it, how did I get to ABSA, I guess? How did I get to South Africa? So Barclays for a majority stake in ABSA back in 2005. I moved to Joburg from London in 2005 as part of the post-deal integration team. So I spent a couple, two or three years here on the integration, a couple of years back in London, but then moved back here full-time in 2010. Um, and I've been here ever since in our corporate bank. So I spent actually a lot of my career, quite an interesting journey, I guess, around integrating different parts of Barclays and ABSA and spending a lot of time doing some integrations. And then in 2017, Barclays sold out the business and I spent three or four years separating them again. So quite an interesting <laughs> journey. Um, and, then, and then I guess been in corporate bank for a long time and ended up in my current role about 18 months ago. So we started looking at our digital assets business and looking at our response to blockchain technology, tokenization, crypto and started looking at that about 18 months ago. And that's how I ended up in, in the hit A in South Africa and B in, the, in this role. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm curious to hear, like uh, a lot of banks, they, they started kind of a, a blockchain discovery journey uh, several yeah. years ago. And what was maybe, if you could shed some light on what, what was kind of the catalyst for Amsta to start looking more intensely at um, blockchain and digital assets? Yeah, so I think that there was probably two catalysts. So in, in South Africa, um, South African Reserve Bank set up a, a kind of working group a few years ago, um, and Amsta were invited to be part of that. So we started really looking at experimenting with the technology, and that working group was really based around understanding what the technology can do, how it works, how it operates. And then about 18 months ago, we really were understanding more and more about the ecosystem and the opportunities. And obviously, with the regulations starting to come more to the fore, it started to become something in terms of a technology use, at least, that we thought was a really interesting opportunity, driving efficiencies in businesses, also 
potentially new technology models, new banking products, new banking services. So look, we, we've got a relatively small team that we are focusing um, a lot more energy now than we were 18 months ago. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I think we see that in the journey may have started um, a couple of years back, but the pace of acceleration and, and the moving forward with the technology seems to, seems to be picking up at least. Uh, that's a view we have in Europe, at least uh, also in APAC, like it's happening in, in Africa as well. So, Rob, thanks for the, the introduction to your career path and, and a little bit on, about on how the, the bank today is focusing more and that that's kind of a, a clear journey towards digital assets now and, and really seeing where the bank can derive value from that for customers and, and, and so forth. But let's uh, zooming out a little bit. What does the role that you have, yeah. what does that entail? And what does um, a typical day look like for you? Sure. So maybe I'll, I'll start talking a little bit about the role. So. There's two parts to my role, really. I, I look after our Salesforce platform for our corporate investment bank. So really, that part of the role is really about understanding how our, you know, our sales teams, our relationship management teams, our service teams can get the best out of the, the use of the, you know, the platform. Obviously, primarily a CRM and sales tool. But I guess the, the piece that you're probably more interested in is the digital assets role. So really, the role is about leading the response in our corporate investment bank how we can unpack different products, unpack different use cases to try and meet different uh, either existing needs of clients in a better, different way, drive some efficiencies, or potentially find new new use cases and new solutions for clients. So they're probably the, the two big resp- the main responsibilities I have. What does, a, what does a typical day look like? I guess here in Joburg, so I get up fairly early and I've got two kids, 11 and eight. So they tend to need to be roused out of bed to get dressed ready for school. So we kind of get up about half hour, get the kids up, get the kids up to school. Some days I'll, I'm the taxi and I'll take the kids to school. Other days my wife does. And those days I'll try and get out and do some exercise, try and do some running, we'll get to the gym. On the commute, we work a bit in the office, a bit at home. We're hybrid, try and listen to some podcasts. Current favorite of, the, of, of my family is Morning Brew Daily, which is a kind of podcast, North American podcast, so current affairs and news. It is good. It's good for it keeps the door um, up to date on what's happening. So that's our current favorite. Tend to get to the office about 8, 8.30. And then, you know, most a lot of my day is meetings. So I guess that's not a surprise. Most of us are in the, in, in the same boat. But I guess what I try and spend time doing is connecting with teams. So we're building out some different products. We're building out some different use cases, understanding what's happening with the Office of Salesforce team. Spend a lot of time with stakeholders, understanding you know, what they're looking for, what they need. Try and spend some time talking to clients, probably not as much time as, as I might like. But also, especially when I'm in the office, actually trying to just talk to different parts of our team. I think, you know, one of the things that we lost badly with all, all the remote working is that kind of connectivity to, to, to teams and connectivity to each other. And going back to the office two or three days a week, I think it's just great for just understanding what's happening outside my direct team, especially. Connecting with people, talking to relationship bank- bankers, talking to sales teams, finding out what our clients are interested in and what's happening. So really, really, that's probably a typical day. Well, that's uh, you know, me. I'm in the same boat from a morning routine perspective. I've got three kids in the same kind of age category. Two that like to get up, they're kind of morning, morning oriented. To one that's definitely about the, the it's, it's a bit of a battle to get some of the, one of them out of bed in the morning. <laughs> it always is. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and what I could take away from what you're explaining about a typical day for you, there's a lot of figuring out what's going on in the market and um, what are, you know, talking to different parts of the business about what clients are interested in, what they're talking about, I suppose, what they're, they're looking for. And, so, and yeah, that, 
Yeah, and really, Matt, I think that also just trying to keep on top of what's happening in the market. I think that it's a fast-moving part of the business, trying to keep up on what different financial institutions are doing and what they're launching. There's, there's, you know, it feels like every week there's another announcement about a big bank somewhere starting something or, or positioning something around digital assets and blockchain technologies. So just also trying to keep on top of that is, I mean, it could almost be a full-time job, actually, if you try and, <laughs> read, 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 try and read as much as I would like to read. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And then I guess you said it's a small team, but I suppose you can spread the, uh, the knowledge gathering uh, throughout the team, and everybody's probably pitching in on keeping a finger on the pulse about uh, what uh, other players are doing. It's great. The internal kind of chat groups, uh, you know, sharing articles, sharing what people have looked at, good and the bad of what's happening in the world is is actually a, a really great use of some of the kind of technologies that we use for sharing data. It's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I should, I should, I didn't ask at the beginning, but your the digital assets at APSA is that really focused on the South African market, or does it go beyond that as well? Or it'll go beyond that. I mean, we're we're a Pan African bank, so we're in just under a dozen um, countries. So we do work with our you know different teams across the business. I think by the nature of where the markets are, we spend more time in South Africa um, yeah. because of the kind of. Partly the regulatory landscape, but also the proximity to some of the clients that we can talk to in some of our teams. But there's there's quite a growing, especially you know, Kenya, Mauritius, especially. I mean, Nigeria is the biggest market in Africa. Or if you talk crypto, we don't have a full bank in, in Nigeria. We've got a rep office, so uh, uh, we've got a, a business there. But it's you know they're probably the big markets that we that we try and look at and talk. To. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned about the the regulatory landscape. How would you describe that? Is it is it conducive? moving ahead with cryptocurrency digital assets and are there something that hold you back uh, with the way that things are working today and how do you view the role of regulation and either making your job easier or making it more difficult i'm a banker and i work for a bank right so i'm very pro-regulation and, yeah. and as an organization we're very key <laughs> for regulations to, to yeah. land in all of our markets well i think the the environment is conducive i think in you know south africa married some good strides towards the end of last year of you know, declaring crypto assets financial product of mandating the registration of crypto asset service providers. So that process is being run and the application process is kind of just closed at the end of November, but the license is being issued. So I think I think there's there's a lot of positive movement. I think there's always more that that, you know, I would certainly like to see in terms of specific clarity on some of the use cases and how you how we can explore some of those with the regulator. But you know, my experience is that our regulators are open to the conversation, that they're, they're willing to, to work with us and participate. And I think that's really positive. Uh, we definitely have a, a positive kind of regulatory framework. Yeah, that's great. Great to hear. And there's, uh, yeah, there's a couple of regions in the world where there's a very progressive stance, Middle East in particular, there's um, with the virtual asset um, authority that they set up, Vada, also ADGM has, has got some pretty clear stuff. And it's good to get insight from the rest of the, the continent as well to see like in, that there is progress being made and that's good. So, and as you said, it's, I always look at regulation as, okay, when, when we have regulation, the lines of the field are drawn and the rules are defined, and then we know how to play. But before that, it's kind of challenging to know what you can do, what you can't do. So Rob, I'm curious to learn more about the stage of digital transformation that APSA, if we were to look at a kind of a continuum where banks are you know, going to get themselves organized to start digitally transforming the business and um, and you know carrying on forward. Where would you say ADSA is today from a digital transformation journey perspective? I think, especially in the last five or six years, I think we've made huge leaps forward as an organization. I, I, would, I would definitely not say 
with a finished article, but I think we've really made a lot of positive strides forward. You know, and a lot of that, in fact, I mean, I mentioned the separation of, of Barclays earlier. A lot of it was actually stimulated through that process because we were able to, in, in many ways, reimagine our business and reimagine how we want to work and how we want to do things as an organization because obviously we had that kind of a separation opportunity. So I think we've evolved significantly in terms of, you know, ways of working. We're much more agile, we're much more iterative. We try hard to kind of learn and test and relearn and test. I don't think we're perfect at it by any stretch of the imagination. We've been working a little bit over the last couple of years with OKRs. It's, you know, we're just trying to keep the business focused on what are the big things that we want to try and achieve. And a lot of that at the moment for us is revolving around how do we drive improved client digital experiences and actually how do we, improve, how do we drive improved college digital experiences? Um, because I think both of them are, are really important. So. We definitely, you know, if I, if, I, if I think about where we were as a business five or six years ago and where we are today, it's kind of night and day. We've really made great strides, but we can definitely still improve. Yeah, and I think um, it's hard to imagine, like I mentioned, well, digital transformation might have a starting point, but it's hard to envision what is the end point. Uh, is this, yeah. you know, new, new technologies that are always emerging that can you know, enable enable us as bankers to uh, deliver new kinds of experiences to clients or improve existing experiences. Absolutely. I mean, that's the good thing about, I guess, the, the field that, that we're in. That there's always something new. There's always something innovative that we can think about. And there's and digitization is just going to continue to proliferate. Right? Yeah. And with that in mind, uh, are there kind of technologies that are, uh, so we talked a little bit about blockchain and, and, and digital assets and stuff like that, uh, but are, are there other technologies that are quite exciting for you personally or for the bank in general? What what are those yeah. technologies and, and how do you look at them? Yeah. I mean, obviously, Blockchain is one of the most interesting shows in town, at least in my in my job in my world. And I, I'm really very optimistic and bullish about how we can really work to to improve our financial services sector. I think the other area that we are spending quite a lot of time in is looking at artificial intelligence and Gen AI. You know, we've spent time looking at how that can be used within our organisation, driving efficiencies. We've got a number of use cases that we we're, we're kind of still experimenting with. To be honest, some of them are. You know, specifically around in our operations areas, how can we use the technology to really drive, help help drive better service and uh, improve the kind of the processes that that we run. Others are just you know working with our partners, you know, existing technology partners, people like you know Salesforce and Microsoft and IBM. Like they all have variants of Copilot, but Salesforce and Microsoft both call it Copilot, which is kind of helpful and kind of yeah. helpful. <laughs> so, so we're spending. Quite a lot of time looking at. I, I, I think the opposite. I guess everybody that comes on your show at the moment is talking about artificial intelligence because I think in general AI, because it, it really is going to be one of those. I think technologies that really does help that next shift in terms of the digital transformation. And I think it can really help transform people's day to day jobs and help drive efficiency massively. So that could be they're the two big areas that are really exciting in our business. Yeah. And can I ask, like, um, I had a couple of guests on the, on the show and they were talking about how internally we're starting to work with AI. And I think initially when people hear about it, they're, they're kind of like, whoa, that's going to replace jobs or, or there's yeah. the risk of that. And, and it can create kind of a, a fear. But, um, and I'm just curious to hear, like, uh, at Apps, are you, are you starting, is how is AI being used, a generative AI? Are there things that you're doing internally with it? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, you know, we've got uh, a number of our technology teams are, are looking at how they can use it through the loco um, development work. We've started using it more and more day to day for, you know, even 
for Microsoft Copilot for helping us with reviewing docs, with uploading documentation, right? We're corporates, we a lot of documentation in our in corporate banking. Just taking minutes, minutes, I think minutes of a minute of a meeting. Oh, it's, it's changed my life. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> so we are, I suppose, relatively early in how we're using it. But especially in the last three or four months, actually, we, we, maybe the last three months, we've really started using it more day to day and being more conscious about how we're using it. And I think that's kind of the, the big opportunity as well is being conscious about where what problems we can solve. Yeah, indeed. So I think uh, yeah, it's, uh, also at, at, at the settlement, we kind of view it as a, a tool for enabling. It's another tool in the toolbox that can be used uh, by whether it's engineers, even even our, our HR, our, our people team is using it. They, they said we need a, need a, a policy for that. We're, we're kind of a startup or scale-up company. Yeah. So yeah, kind of, you go through a, a storming, then a norming phase, and then but if we're kind of in that norming phase, that means there's a lot of gap, like... Uh, yeah, policies on parental what, what do you do yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely wouldn't say we're in the uh, building phase anywhere close. I think we're still storming and, and experimenting. But uh, thoroughly, I think lots of our teams are excited about it. Yeah, very cool. All right. And uh, just going to talk a little bit more about the role that you have. And like looking back at the experience you've had and drawing upon that, what would you say are the key skills um, that you think are essential for someone to have in order to take a leadership role like yours? Yeah, it's probably three or four that I guess come to mind. I think one of the biggest things in what we try to do around digital transformation and, and, and changing is being prepared to kind of disrupt a little bit and change what already happens. I think especially big organizations get into a rhythm and it, it can be very hard to change that rhythm. So I think being prepared to disrupt and, and change, I think part of that is also like being inquisitive and willing to learn. And obviously with that comes failure. So I think you need to be quite resilient. Because uh, you know, often things don't go to plan, right? And things don't work as exactly as you wanted them to. I think a big thing is, and we kind of touched a little bit on it earlier, is is kind of stay informed, do keep being hungry to learn and find out new information. Two others, I think, are especially in my business, uh, relationship skills, getting on with learning, like how to work with different people, different teams. There's different styles, different approaches, and I think that's really important. And maybe, maybe the mo- one of the most important, and this isn't necessarily about being in a role like mine, but just generally is I'm a very strong believer that people can choose your own attitude. So, yeah. you know, if you come to work and try to find fault in everything that everyone's trying to do and try to find problems, then you're going to generally be pretty unhappy. I think yeah. if, you, if you come to work with a positive attitude and, you know, trying to help people, help colleagues and find solutions, then, you know, I think that's a really key yeah. key trait and, and definitely something i i try to live by and something i look for in, in teams when i've been doing actually you know it's funny you mentioned that the last one as well like i, I guess the last book i bought is by arnold Wortheger, the called be useful and <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. a very easy to read little book but uh, he has you know, seven steps to uh, being successful in life and you know he's had a career in in bodybuilding and in acting and then uh, politics okay. and now back in acting yeah. uh, but he's got a, a, if you're uh, anyways I, I recommend the book i'm halfway through it and it's just a, a nice easy read that uh, reinforces a lot of the fundamentals and basics about uh, what well, being useful in life and that i think well with the last one you mentioned about seeing how you having a positive attitude and being willing to chip in put in the hours and help people yeah. to, uh, succeed together but, yeah i think uh, absolutely I'll, I'll look at that i think i mean uh, I was reflecting back a little bit on it, and I, 
I can't remember when I saw it, but it was the this Seattle fish market. I don't know if you've come across that. It's the this the group of people and like it's a, a management technique. I think they call it fish these days. I don't know who came up with it, but um, like it is about like the, the key. One of the key takeaways was everybody that goes there, whether they're an employee or someone that works there or shops there, they just create a fun environment and they create an environment people want to be part of. Uh, right. And I think that's just a really important thing in work. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if if it, if it's left fun and something's going wrong, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah indeed. Um, so in just maybe a, so we talked about the skills that are required, to, and you know, many of them link directly to the, the role you have today. Um, whether that's uh, the resilience to get up after failure or having good um, stakeholder management skills. I think you, you mentioned also about being inquisitive or being curious is really important to yeah, that yeah. you're constantly interested in finding out what's next and what's coming and, and, and things like that. Yeah, and what would you say are some of the challenges for someone in your role? So I think probably the big one, uh, if you're talking about digital transformation, I think maybe there's a couple. So as it relates to kind of a, a technology and technologies, I think especially as we, we start experimenting more with things like blockchain, I think having that sit within a traditional banking organization does provide challenges because there's you know there's there's different ways of working with on-chain technology versus kind of the oldest type of technologies and infrastructures so i think there's there is a little bit of a kind of digital clash in some ways in that regard but actually i think the the biggest challenge that i see and that we have in terms of digital transformation is is not with technology it's with people um, <laughs> people a huge generalism, of course, but people don't like change, and people don't really like things. Often, don't like things that could really transform what they do every day and how they do it. And so, trying to keep that kind of mindset, files how can how does the solutions we're building? How does it help clients? How does it make How does it make make people's lives better? And it can help and keep reinforcing that because what we find native to kind of the, the blockchain world is any big kind of technology kick. People often really default back to all behavior. And so how do we kind of keep trying to reinforce and try and keep ma- making sure that the, the benefits of what is being delivered are seen? And I guess that relates to AI too, right? You, you mentioned yeah. people, do, do, do people worry about losing their jobs? Maybe, but every kind of shit has had that risk and yet there's yeah. far more people employed today than there ever has been. So. Yeah, yeah, there were a lot of very concerned saddle makers when the automobile was coming out, I think. Exactly <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Yeah, and then everybody wanted good leather inside their car eventually. So I mean, that's worked out for them, I guess. In, so maybe next question I have is uh, about misconception. So I think uh, it'd be interesting to hear, like in the really have uh, whether that's digital transformation or more on the digital asset side. Uh, but what kind of misconceptions do people have about the role uh, that you have at uh, at the bank? I think that the main misconception is that I, my job is crypto. I'm a crypto trader of some form or other. Um, yeah. I think, and it's an interesting one. I think, you know, within our organization, we actually, we don't talk a lot about crypto within our business, as we talk about digital assets. So less about crypto, more about crypto technology. So trying to just kind of keep reinforcing to our, both internally and you know, as when we talk to, to clients about these solutions is we're not in a highly volatile crypto type of business. We're, yeah. What we're trying to do is create products and services that actually drive some efficiency and drive some benefit to clients and colleagues along the way. So I, that's probably the biggest misconception. Yeah. So if, if you're not a crypto trader, uh, then what is it uh, that you're doing with blockchain technology? Just, uh, 
course, I can I can yell, but it'd be great to hear some of the things that you're working on. Yeah, no, we're working on a number of different things. So, you know, we're obviously as a big bank, we're looking at how the technology can be used for payments. So, we're looking at cross-border payments, as are a lot of people. I think looking at how stable coins could be used, tokenization. Well, both corporate and kind of retail use cases. I'm part of the corporate investment bank, so I spend more time looking at corporate and institutional use cases. That our colleagues in, in, across the bank are, are looking at some of those some of those use cases. So, really, probably I'd summarise it as payments, some investment work, and some tokenization and efficiency work. And you know, we're, we're also kind of experimenting a little bit with some stuff around customer, uh, digital asset custody. Okay, yeah, and that's maybe uh, you mentioned the digital asset custody, and there's actually an interesting one. We were, uh, I was having a conversation earlier this week on the topic of custody, and and there are a lot of and, and kind of there's a lot of um, there there are new players entering the market that some are quite successful. Whether we talk about like Fireblocks or Medico or other common you know, the custody service providers that are are getting like, quite a bit of traction. But I, I had a question, and because it, it, to be honest, it, it kind of baffles me. And I, I'm wondering if you can maybe help me a bit, because if I look at you know rule of a bank, if you're a licensed bank, you know how to manage keys. And so then, then the, the question becomes, what additionally is our companies like Fireblock or Medical? If, if you look at them, and I don't maybe shouldn't name them specifically, but so the role of custody seems to me so central to whether there is digital assets or not. You know, digital assets make up but they optimistically for some banks two percent of total assets that are custody, um, and we need we're, we're not able to use or th- there's a perception that uh, utilizing our core competence as a bank for managing keys and, and assets there's something different about digital assets that we need a different kind of solution for. But it's it just kind of baffled me a little bit that there's such a an interest in this. I, I always viewed key management as kind of a core core competency of a bank. I agree. I think it is a core competency in a bank, and that's why we think it's a, it's something that we should be able to offer to <laughs> to our clients. Look, I think the for me at least, I mean, the nature of the way that we you manage and hold those keys for a digital asset is a little bit different to how you would do it for a, for a traditional security. So, I think the the technology solutions that we are looking at and considering. So, you know, we run a traditional custody business as well in global markets in Africa. Uh, but especially in South Africa, the technology solutions we use in that business simply aren't fit for purpose for a digital asset custody business. So I think you know you, you talk about people like Firebox and Metrico, absolutely. They and lots of others say that they offer technical services, technical solutions to enable custody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Really cool. All right. And I think uh, we could probably go on for hours of discussion about the, the, the I, kind I, of topic. You and I probably do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I just thought maybe we kind of we'll start to wrap up a little bit. But just one one other question I wanted to, to ask is like, are there particular projects that you're working on that you're that you're most excited about that you'd like to, if you can share details about it, I'd love to hear what it is that gets you gets you excited and motivated in the morning from a project perspective. Yeah, look, definitely. I think that without being very specific about it, I mean, some of the things we've spoken about in terms of what we're looking at for the use cases on on, on blockchain are gen. I think are genuinely exciting. You know, I think. I'm a big believer that the technology is going to transform a lot of traditional banking and a lot of what ways that traditional banking is done today. And that, you know, we talked a little bit about regulation. I think as the regulations start landing more and more across all the markets, and, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting, I think there's a lot of consistency in the regulation. If you look at other, you know, the global authorities who are asking for regulation, they're, they're, they're all asking for similar outcomes from regulators. And that's, that's I think, good news. And I think it will help 
big organizations like banks, traditional banks, it will help enable traditional banks to get into the market. Like I, I don't think I don't think banks are ever going to innovate the fintech market and the startup market because I, I think that's just not in our nature. But working together with the, with the fintech ecosystem could be incredible. I think yeah, we, we, we've got some projects on the go that through next year, and I, I think we'll start getting into the hands of clients. And I think for Africa especially, I think there's a big opportunity for Africa. You know, I think the technology can help us, potentially help us leapfrog some of the more established markets. And we've got a culture of innovation, trying to do new things, do things in a different way. And so I like that. So that, 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 that all of the blockchain work that we're doing really does excite me. Get, yeah. It gets me out of bed. More so than, more so than I've, seen, uh, in, I've, I've experienced in my kind of journey over the last maybe 10 years. This is really exciting stuff that, 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 that yeah. I'm working on. You've, you've been bitten by the blockchain bug. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've turned the full way. Uh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a blockchain uh, convert for sure. Yeah, yes. Very good. So I think, unfortunately, that's about all the time we're going to have. Uh, there's a lot more that we could go for hours, I'm sure. But, but before we wrap up, if people want to keep up to date on what's happening at the bank or the work that you're doing personally, uh, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, I think LinkedIn's probably the best place. I mean, after corporate investment bank, have got a, a good profile on LinkedIn. So we're checking in there for not just things that are happening in my space, but across our business. Um, and if people want to find me, yeah, they can find me, Rob Downs, on LinkedIn. I'm probably not a very uh, effective or uh, regular publisher. Be a bit more active. All right. So amazing. Th thanks a lot, uh, Rob, for joining the podcast today. A lot of really cool insights. Uh, we went uh, a little bit deeper than we typically do on the blockchain stuff, but I, I guess it's uh, that's what happens when you do get two people that have jumped too late, got bitten by the bug, you put them together, they're going to talk about it. <laughs> exactly. No, it's been great. No, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed chatting. All right, super. Thanks a lot. Let's keep in touch. And uh, thanks again for joining. Take care. Bye, All that. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chief Digital Heroes, brought to you by Settlement, the world's leading blockchain transformation platform. To learn more about Settlement or to access the latest episodes, visit settlement.com.